our friend Jeff, Dr. Jeff Feingold, has <laughs> finally pulled the trigger on retirement. Thanks. I'm very happy for you, Jeff, to after a long career at the Business Review and I'm assuming many other places before places. you made it there. I'm excited to dive into your career a bit and the state of business in the state that you've seen over the decades and the changes of that. But uh, first of all, congratulations. Well, thank you. I'm still going to be you know, alive. I'm not, you know, I'll be, I'll be working on projects through the Grand State News Collaborative, actually. Oh, awesome. I'm, I'm really excited about that. But the day-to-day -day stuff, no more daily deadlines, that's fine with me. Oh, I bet. That's, that's got to be nice. That was one big thing. Years, 48 years of deadlines is enough. I mean, over, over such a long career, I mean, especially from the 70s to today, I mean, we literally just had a little disconnect right here because of the Internet. I mean, yeah, there you go. The, the technology and Internet shifts over the decades must That's have amazing. just been tremendous for, from all angles, whether good and bad yeah. to experience. Me, to, to let you know how long I've been doing this, the day I started working in New Jersey uh, was the day they started going to what they call offset printing. Before that, they used linotype, actual linotypes, like a 19th century technology, which is what you were using hot lead and stuff. And uh, they had, you know, people were doing typesetting through uh, what they call cold type, compugraphic machines, they called them mostly, and set it up that way. And then within the next few years, I started working at the uh, Keen Sentinel back 1981 or so. and. Uh, they were starting to use computers. Actually, a company named Haztec, which was based in New Hampshire, was one of the first companies to make computers systems for, for newspapers. So it's, it was a pretty rapid uh, change. I mean, you're talking about five years difference, and that's what's been happening in, in the newspaper business. That's one of the reasons why it's not what it used to be anymore, because of, because of technology. It has really changed things so much, how people get news. I mean, even just in my incredibly short career, by comparison, as a student journalist during the 08 election, I mean, brought up before, I mean, the Twitter blowing up because of Barack Obama and every, every, all the implications of journalists now realizing, oh, I need to be on social media if I want to cover politics and news uh, yeah. from a breaking news perspective because it's no longer the 24-hour news cycle. It's the, yeah. could be 15-minute news cycle. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, that's why, you know, newspapers used to be, you, you get your newspaper once a day, or maybe sometimes if you're lucky you have an evening newspaper near town also, so you get twice a day. And that would be it, maybe you get the headlines on the radio, but uh, that's not the case anymore. Now it's 24-7, and I don't know if that's, always, that's necessarily a good thing, because that's just one, you know, it's a news cycle that sometimes involves stuff that's just filler and not news, but speculation and people telling their opinions about stuff, but that's really what, what it is now, and you get to choose what you want to hear, instead of you know, everybody watching, you know, Walter Cronkite or Huntley and Brinkley or whatever, or reading newspapers that basically are covering things in a slower pace where they're checking their facts, making sure there's accuracies, uh, you know, really doing a professional job. Now it's just kind of throw stuff out there and see what happens. Yeah, and this is a, I'm probably going to do a segment on this eventually, but I mean, it's, we're recording this on Wednesday, August 23rd. This is going to be released the week, next week. Um, but like the Linus Media Group is this YouTube channel, many YouTube channels said yeah. that, that are technology reviews and everything in that kind of entertainment. But they caught major flack because they they fell into the rapid expansion because of the internet age, being able to just 
increase output, increase staff at such an astronomical rate that uh, Gamers Nexus, which is another YouTube channel, uh, called them out. It's like, dude, like all your stats are wrong. Like you're messing up almost every there video, and it's the same thing in the in the more traditional news industry. If, if to keep up with that, exactly, exactly. You know, that's why that's why it's really interesting to me. Like you know, you know, New York Times is not a perfect institution by any means, but it really is a model, especially for American journalism. And one of the most instructive things to do is read their daily corrections and clarifications. Because they do that. They are very diligent about that, whether it's a misspelled name or whether it's a more important uh, inaccuracy, and they'll go through great lengths to, to correct the record. But that's not, that doesn't happen in most places, in, in, in many cases, especially online. You just move on to the next uh, problem, <laughs> you know? So, so tell me, tell me, Jeff, what's the secret? How how do you feel like you did your part to keep the business review above that? I would try. To, we tried to be as professional as we could as as journalists. The news pages were, without a doubt, uh, or are I shouldn't say were, are without a doubt done by uh, quality journalists. We we pride ourselves on on really looking at issues, getting as many people, you know, as many point of views as we can, making sure our facts are right. And we've done, over the years, we've done some really very uh, difficult stories, you know, investigative pieces uh, on com corporations and, other, and on individuals. And, uh, you know, we've had, we, you know, we've won many, many awards for that, you know, including national awards on, on the quality of the journalism. We just really took pride, take pride in it. And that's, not necessarily what you see a lot, especially on online uh, outlets. You just don't, and, and actually, uh, you know, a lot of the cable so-called news outlets, they, that's just people just talking and not really uh, doing any journalism. They call themselves journalists sometimes, but they're not. They're not actually looking at the facts, trying to find, find out stories, but going into a story without any preconceived notions about it, which is a major... Uh, which is something that you know professionals, the reporters always do. It doesn't matter. You can go back 200 years, and that's what reporters do: is you just you don't go you go in there without expecting any uh, expecting it to justify your feelings opinions about something. And that that's that's one. I think that's one of the things we've lost a lot with uh, with the uh, social media. So, what's your opinion on the which I. I, I make no secret. I think it's incredible what's what's happened with some of it is with the uh, the local digital outlets that have really expanded, especially in New Hampshire, is, is yeah. it's definitely focused. I mean, we've got, uh, like you brought up the Grand State News Collaborative, you're going to be doing yeah. stuff with them. There's the New Hampshire Bulletin and NH Journal, In-Depth New Hampshire, um, yeah. it, and these hyper-local outlets. Like, uh, it, it's, it's, what's your take on that aspect of the current landscape? I, I think that for the most part it's been really good. I know the collaborative, which you know, I was there from the very beginning with that, and uh, I think it's a great, it's a gr it's a great, pro it's just a great collaboration. It's just it's it's most almost all the news outlets in the state together sharing their content, making sure that their readers are informed as much as possible. It's not you know a matter of I want to have this, I, you know I want to do it first, and doesn't matter. We, we are we realize the. Everyone, every news organization in the world has limited resources now, and uh, we realize we can't cover everything altogether. So this way, we can we can work together to cover to cover issues that are really important to the state that we probably couldn't do individually. And that's one of that's one of the that's the best thing about the collaborative is that it's really helping us 
really uh, focus on things, and I think it really came to light in, the, in during COVID when we all shared content and really informed our readers, our viewers, our listeners about what was going on because it was a obviously a, an existential moment for everybody. And you know, we really did some great stuff. And the same is true also with, with race and equity, which is a major topic for Grand State Collaborative, which was something that really hadn't been covered in New Hampshire, because New Hampshire, you know, didn't think, you know, as a, as a whole, we never thought, oh, we, you know, we don't have any, we don't have any people of color in the state. Well, that's not true. And, you know, this is something that we, that's, we deliberately went and covered and found out the issues that, that, that affect them. We're talking about people, we're talking about people, uh, 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 you know, BIPOC people of all, uh, you know, people of all races, but also a lot of immigrants and refugees who have been coming to New Hampshire for many years now and are contributing to our, to our state without really being no, noticed or recognized. And that's something that the collaborative has done really uh, well. In class, too, is definitely an important aspect. Yes, absolutely. That, that, that goes without saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I the, apologize for not putting that in there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the Invisible Walls series, for example, that you... Uh, yeah, that's really something we've heard. Yeah. Which is fantastic. And, and actually, that, that's something I'll be working on afterwards, is because we're going to be doing it, expanding it to uh, other parts of the state to look at... Oh, amazing. ...at zoning restrictions and housing restrictions in other parts of the state, because that was a major uh, project that I'm really extremely proud of. Yeah, definitely excited to hear more about that. As I had, um, was, it, was it Paul? Who 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 is the the reporter on the ground for that? Oh, Johnny Bassett. John John Bassett. Sorry, yeah, John Bassett. Yeah, he's yeah. In, he's in the Philippines now for crying out loud. What the heck? He <laughs> get, getting get some kind of doctorate or something. What do you, you know? <laughs> he's, he was great. Yeah, he was great. We have someone else who's working with us, who's a doctoral candidate at UNH, who's doing the work work now, and he's he's wonderful as well. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, local outlets just can't afford to do that sort of investigative no. journalism. It's so time time intensive, so expensive. I've had the New Hampshire Fiscal Policy Institute on here. They're doing very similar work from a different yes. angle. Um, it, it's your little. It's like Concord Monitor is great, but I mean, there's there's only so much you can do and still be able to print and get everything syndicated that in everything like that. It's it's a lot of money and work. Yeah, and, and also you know back in the day, if you had a newsroom with maybe eight or nine people, you could say, all right, one reporter could take some time off to work on a story, will everybody else will cover for you, but you will give you this time. But you can't do that anymore when you have three reporters. That's just not, you're not possible. And right. it's, it's very difficult. That was one of the things about the business review, you know, when we were in, when we were, our print publication was out twice every other week. And uh, that gave us the luxury of having, you know, basically eight to 10 days to do a, an in-depth story. And occasionally, Bob Sanders, who also has retired, unfortunately, who did so much of the great work for the Business Review over the years, he's a great investigative reporter. Sometimes I'd say, Bob, let's skip the issue with you. Just take the month and work on something. And, and that's always paid off, but it was a luxury, absolute luxury. All right, I want to spend the last little bit of time here on the the look of business in, in the state because, I mean, that's, that was the primary focus for, for the outlet. Obviously, there's many other things yes. you covered for sure within the state, but it's a big thing that we've talked about here when, and when the show was over on WKXL. I, I mean, what are some big standouts or trends maybe in the business community that you've witnessed over your time at the Business Review? I mean, you talked about computers uh, popping yeah. up. I mean, New Hampshire, shockingly, has been a leader when it came to a lot of computing. Yeah, I, I wrote my, my farewell uh, to, in the paper that's coming out uh, on the 25th, 
And I was mentioning that when I first started working in the business review, the largest employer in the state was Brown Paper Company still, 1983. And that was a paper mill, the big, the big huge paper mills in Berlin that at one point, I think, employed almost 10,000 people. It was, the people in the North Country were very, uh, had great jobs, many of them union jobs, and very prosperous and thriving up there. And within a few years, you know, Brown Paper was gone, James River Company bought it, and they were gone by, you know, 10 years later, and it just dwindled to nothing. And, uh, you know, but what happened, it pretty, at the same time when this was, when that, when that was fading away, it was Digital Equipment Corp. And all these other early, uh, uh, Wang had a big, a big facility here. These are early tech companies. And, you know, of course, there was Sanders Associates, which was a homegrown tech company, which is now BAE Systems. But that tech sector in New Hampshire has grown so, you know, state, the state has such a diverse, robust economy now, which when it didn't have it, it had mills. It had the mills and it had some tourism. But now it's got, it's very, it's a thriving economy. We have a major tech sector, still have a strong manufacturing sector, which New Hampshire always had. But they, but they have also a, uh, we also have a strong financial services industry. We have really a lot of, it's a lot of more resilient now in New Hampshire. We're much, as we know, New Hampshire is, is pretty resilient to, to recessions. It's not that they don't happen here. We've been through some bad ones. Hmm. I, in, you know, in my time here, you know, we had the real estate depression, which was almost self-inflicted when you think about it. I don't want to get into details of that. But for the most part, we have weathered it better than most other states because this, the, we have a pretty, we have a, we have a diverse economy, and we. You know, there's a certain yankiness about it. Yeah, know? I mean, how much of it do you think it's culture? Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't think that the banks in New Hampshire are going to make the same mistakes they made in the late 80s, early 90s. I don't think they'll ever do that again. I hope. Mm-hmm. And they learn from their excuses, but they, they learn from their mistakes, but I don't think that's true in other parts of the country. If you see what happens, what's happened. Yeah, definitely. Financial crisis is case in point in the early 2000s. I mean, you just look at the milliard and where business reviews yes. based out of it. It's a fascinating juxtaposition if you look at a hundred years, but if you just look thirty years in between. I mean, when I once again talking about the student journalists covering the the primaries, we were going around some sketchy uh, facilities around around the milliard where right. they weren't developed, but the candidates were having their election night uh, events there in the lead yeah. up to the election. These call centers and these. Oh God! I probably have scra- scraped a couple of years off my life going into some of those buildings even for a couple hours with, with some of the the stuff hanging out of the walls. But it, and now it's thriving. You got UNHM, SNHU down there. The the stadiums are really doing well. Housing is oh, popping yeah. well, up all over the place. And there are thousands of jobs in the mill yard. A really good job. You have law firms. You have you know marketing firms. You have obviously tech companies all over the place. You got all Dean Kamen's companies plus mm-hmm. others. You have, uh, you know, uh, all this, uh, the, the companies are associated with Army, with the uh, regenerative medicine. United Therapeutics has a huge space down there. It's really, it's really quite amazing what's happened to the mill yard because old, old-timers from Manchester have told me that there were people who just wanted to tear down the mills at one point because it was a bad memory to them, hmm. having to work in those mills. And, you know, it, the working conditions were disgraceful in those mills. But fortunately, they didn't tear down most of those mills, and they've, re, you know, they've just re, rejuvenated, and, and it's made New Hampshire. I mean, Manchester is a really, it's a really interesting case in point because I think it represents the whole change in, in New Hampshire's economy over the years.
All right. We're about out of time. I mean, let let's look to the future. I mean, what? <laughs> like, give me your give me your. I have you have all this experience. What's going to happen ten uh, plus uh, years? Have you got anything for me? What what I should I nothing. invest in I'm here, not, Jeff? No, I'm not going to know. <laughs> I know someone's going to someone's going to win the New Hampshire presidential primary. I don't know. <laughs> That's about all we can hope for at this point. But no, I'm making predictions. I'm a Yankees fan. I learned my lesson this year. There's no way I'm making any predictions about anything anymore. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I really look forward. I want to have you back on as these new projects come anytime, up. Anytime. Anytime. Just get in touch with me. I'd love to talk with you. It's been, it's been great. And I, uh, I really hope you, hope you guys are doing well with, this, with, with your, with your uh, project here. And, you know, it's a good thing for New Hampshire. I appreciate it, and definitely, definitely still check out nhbr.com. I'll still be hitting them up to send some yeah. other people my way. Poor Amanda, she's going to be getting some emails from me here <laughs> sooner rather than later. So best of luck to that team over there. Keep best of luck to you, Jeff, with retirement. Good. Thank you very much, AJ. It's been great. The New England Take, policy, politics, and life in New England. The New England Take.com. Like and subscribe. Check out the podcast feed, the YouTube feed, the Twitters, the podcast, the uh, Facebooks, I mean, all of that. Uh, we're all over the place and so we're looking to do a lot more in the future. If you want to reach out to the show, the New England Take at gmail.com. Talk to you soon.